Wonderful. Thank you. I am so glad to have you here on today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you today. You're more than welcome. I am really inspired and motivated to have you on today. I know you have the book, Homeless to Hopkins, on Amazon.com. I want you guys to check it out, though. Just listening in. Everyone does listen in from 23 different countries, including Bangladesh. Thank you. I want to take the time out to say thank you. So listen, you guys, it's Homeless to Hopkins on Amazon.com. I want you to check out the book. And Dr. Smith, you know, I have so many questions. I don't know where to begin. So listen, did you always know you wanted to be a doctor? Was this something or what a, a dream of yours when you were young? Or how did you start that journey? And I know it was very difficult being homeless and the way you grew up. Was it always your, your dream of being a doctor? Was it always your dream? No, it wasn't, actually. Um, I, I did have it. Actually, when I was in fifth grade, my teacher uh, one day said, hey, you're going to be a doctor. And it kind of I think that kind of started the seed back in fifth grade. Um, and so then after that, I kind of I decided that I wanted to help people, spend my life, you know, helping people. And I love science. And so I tried to figure out a way to mix those two together. And so I decided to do medicine because you use science to help people. Yes, absolutely. And so I understand you do dedicate your time and resources, raising awareness of homeless children and families. And that's a wonderful thing, uh, too. It's very noble uh, that you do something like that. And my heart is with the homeless. I always uh, enjoy helping the homeless and doing what I can to make their lives better. So when it comes to uh, dedicating your time to raising awareness, what type of things do you do to help uh, homeless children and families? Okay, thank you. Yeah, so I actually speak at fundraisers for organizations to raise money to help homeless uh, families and people. Um, I recently spoke at the uh, Palm Beach County Mayor's Ball where they raised a lot of money to help these people. And another thing I do is I also um, work with another organization called Cornerstone Youth Home, and basically the same idea is they have um, a place for homeless kids and families to stay during the week so they have some stability in their lives and they help their parents to be able to um, – kind of uh, stabilize their lives by doing some education or finding them a house or whatever. And so I'm really involved with, like, fundraising for these, things, these organizations. And also what I did, I also wrote my story to kind of bring uh, idea or notice to the idea of families that are homeless and children that are homeless. And I wrote a children's version as well. And what I plan to do with the proceeds is I actually plan to take the money and some of the proceeds and create a scholarship fund to help kids like I was to be able to get an education someday. That is wonderful. Thank you for making that contribution. And so in your early years, what happened? um, I know a lot of people, I'm asking this question because I know a lot of people want to know what happened that caused you to be homeless uh, in your home. What happened that you had to sleep in vehicles? I think I saw and heard the story where you were sleeping in cars and trying to make it out there when you were growing up. So most, thank you. So most of my life growing up, I was raised in poverty. Um, My father, when I was four, lost his job at the local steel mill. And then after that, he had difficulty maintaining his employment. And so my family struggled financially. In addition, we had a large family of 11 children. And um, so growing up, I often lived without basic utilities, such as electricity and uh, water or or heat. And so we'd have to learn, we learned to warm up our water over the uh, bathtub. I went over a fire for the bathtub and cook our food over the fire. This would be for months at a time. 
And then also growing up, I usually slept in places that weren't necessarily designed for sleeping, such as a carport or garage. And I grew up in Utah, so it was very cold. And sometimes at night, it would get so cold, things would freeze. My brother's fish tank actually froze one night. So this was most of my life growing up until I was 16. And then 16, my family was evicted. So my family was evicted all the time, like every three months, four months. I lived in 24, probably two dozen different houses by the time I was 16. And so this was a repeated pattern. <coughs> and then when I was um, 16, sorry, just a moment, I'm grab a drink of water. Okay. So when I was 16, my family was evicted and we didn't have anywhere to go. So the senior year of my high school, then we were homeless, uh, sleeping in motels and other areas. And my bedroom was the car, basically, because there was no room in the motel room and I couldn't be there because of my allergies. Um, I'm severely allergic to cats. And so I'd have asthmatic attacks. So I slept in the car. So the car was my bedroom for my entire year of high school. And so every day I would sleep in the car and then I'd get up and go to school and try to be an honor student and, uh, you know, play sports and everything, try to live this kind of normal life, but while being homeless, sleeping in a car. Okay. And so you developed a habit. You wanted to, uh, you know, be great with education and school and your classes because, of course, you wanted to make a change in your life. That's a lot of different homes. What did you say you lived in? Was it 20 different places by the time you were 16? 20, I'd say at least 20, at least 20, probably more like 24, probably two dozen different houses, homes, at least. I, I lost count of the number. It happened so often. So That is a lot to deal with. So in high school, were you able to maintain a great point average of being a straight-A student, or how did you manage to study, you know, with living in different places? How did you manage to study and, and maintain great grades in order to get into college and then eventually into medical school? Well, sometimes I would actually study by candlelight. That was all we had to study with a lot of times, actually. And um, in the car, I would study with flashlight, all the flashlight and read and study and do things. Um I, I maintained it because school, I think, for me, learning was always my um, safe space. Education, reading, I love to read. I always loved to read ever since I was a kid. The library was, like, one of my favorite places in the world. And so I used to read, and school, because of that, school was, like, my safe space because school was there. It didn't go anywhere, and teachers and people believed in me. And so because of that, I think I really um, was drawn to do well in school and succeed, and that knowledge – Reading those books gave me gave me dreams and hopes to, for desire to succeed. Um, I read stories of you know fictional and real real life people who overcame uh, uh, difficult circumstances. One of my favorite stories was The Lord of the Rings with Gandalf and Aragorn, and over they overcame these incredible, you know, obviously it's fiction, but they overcame these incredible odds to be a success. And I loved reading about other people in history who did the same thing, you know. People like okay. Abraham Lincoln grew up in a log cabin to become president of the U.S. So these things inspired me to do well in school. And that's so. What to answer your question, it was very difficult actually to maintain my grades in that time. Um, and it was very, very difficult. I, I struggled, but I just did it because I didn't have any other choice. It was either sink or swim, I think. So. Okay. I do understand. And there was another question I wanted to ask you. In regard to college, what college did you select to go to uh, when you first when you graduated from high school? What college did you attend? 
So when I graduated high school, I went to the University of Utah. I got a four-year scholarship. And oh, wonderful. Shortly after, shortly after, yeah, I got a four-year scholarship, presidential scholarship. Shortly after graduating, though, my father was arrested, and my mother was um, admitted to a mental health facility because she tried to take her own life. And um, so after that, I was on my own at 17. I didn't have anywhere to go. I only had $20 to my name, didn't have anywhere to go. And I ended up staying with my sister and went to college. And so then I would work full-time and went to school full-time, and I lost – eventually at the end of the year, I lost my scholarship. I had to maintain a 3.5, and I had a 3.45 GPA. And so the end of that year, I actually lost my scholarship because I was doing too much. And so what I did after that is I went and actually left and went to the inner cities of California, the Spanish uh, neighborhoods, and actually went on a religious mission. And for those two years, that's what I did is I worked with kids in gangs and other – you know, immigrants and things like that, trying to help them have a better life. And then after that, I went back and I paid for college myself and did grants and paid for college and got through. Okay. Wow. You know, your story is really incredible, incredible, incredible. It's amazing. You have come against the odds and you've come out on top. You defied the odds and you reached tremendous heights. I mean, it's really amazing to go through that much. And you've come out. You're living your dream. You're a doctor. You're at John Hopkins Hospital, which is one of the, of course, world-renowned hospital. And, I mean, that is so amazing. And after, I do want to let you know I have to take a break. But after the break, I want you to take a few minutes to speak with uh, individuals who may be listening in. We do have a lot of people that listen in to the show daily. And I want you to uh, give them encouragement. There's a lot of people that's really going through, Dr. Smith, going through being uh, feeling depressed, maybe hopeless, feeling that they're not going to make it. And it would be really great, uh, Dr. Smith, if you could uh, give them some words of encouragement, some words of inspiration to let them know that they can hang in there, let them know that you're an example and that they can make it. So right now I do have a break, but after the break, after the music, the song is Music Therapy Experiment. It's called Irreplaceable by Don, uh, Dr. John Klein. And then, Dr. Smith, I'd love to have you just say some words of encouragement. Is that okay? Sounds perfect. Awesome. So right now, this is the Music Therapy Experiment. This is uh, Irreplaceable by Dr. John Klein. You can find his music and Music Therapy Experiment on Spotify. You can go to Spotify, use the search tool, and do the search Music Therapy Experiment. And this is called Irreplaceable. After the music, we're going to come back, and Dr. Christopher Smith is going to give us awesome, encouraging words of what we can do and maybe some things we can implement in our daily lives to help us to keep the stress level down, the anxiety down as we go through and try to accomplish those goals. So right now, this is Irreplaceable.
you're listening to the interview with Dr. Christopher L. Smith from Homeless to Hopkins. And the song you just heard was from the Music Therapy Experiment. The name of the song was Irreplaceable. So, Dr. Smith, welcome back from after break. I do want you to go ahead and take a few moments. What would you say to individuals who are listening in? There's a lot of people, and I see it all the time uh, on social media, different people uh, posting. Uh, in, in my news feed, I see it all the time, different individuals asking for help, maybe asking for prayer, different things that's going on. So what would you say to encourage different ones to hang in there, that they can make it, they can get through it? What are some things you would say to help encourage them? Yes, um, thank you, thank you. And first of all, I'd say, you know, it's okay. First of all, the first thing people need to understand, it's okay they're feeling down or they're difficulty, they're struggling through whatever trial they're going through. Um, when I was 12, I, I was so depressed and struggling, I almost took my own life. So I completely understand that feeling of a difficulty. Um, but what I say, the thing that I learned when I was 12, when I almost took my own life, I realized at that time there was no shortcut in life. So the only way through life is you have to go through it. And then the next thing I learned is that every day you have a choice. You have choices to choose to live your life, to try to be powered to make a change in your life. It's a sum, it's sum of all those small choices that ultimately change where we end up, that determine our destiny. Um, even if we can just do one thing 1% per day better, every day if we do one thing 1% better, eventually our life will get better and we'll be able to change. And the other thing that I learned is that you only fail when you try. There are many times in my life when I didn't, I failed. I, you know, I didn't do as well as I should have or, you know, things didn't work out like I should. But I learned that the biggest thing to do is keep trying, and we only truly fail when we quit on ourselves. And the importance of continuing to move along. I, I drove a, a dog sled team when I was young, um, when I was, you know, a long time ago. One thing I learned with the dog sled team is it's easier to go along the snow when you're going, when you keep going and going and going. But sometimes you stop and the sled sneaks in the, or sinks in the snow and it's harder to get going again. And so what you have to do sometimes is offload some of the baggage, the weight, and then you can move forward again. So if there's some baggage or something that's holding people down, they tr- they need to try to give that to someone, whether that's to a pastor, whether it's a family member, even to God. Take it to God and say, you know, I need help with this. These things are really weighing me down. I need help to be able to move forward and just to keep trying to keep moving forward. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I like what you said. And it kind of reminded me, what you were saying, it kind of reminded me of something that, uh, an actress, uh, Tabitha Brown, she said one time, because she has uh, difficulty, she mentioned this in one of her uh, posts that she posted on Instagram or Facebook, and she always talked about um, her problem with depression and anxiety. And someone asked her, well, Tabitha, how do you stay so happy? And she said pretty much the same thing that you were saying. She said that she realized that she had to make a choice every day. And she had to choose to be happy every day and not choose to be depressed or not choose to be anxi- have anxiety. Even if she did feel, if she got up one day and she just felt like, womp, 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 I can't make it, you know, she would still choose the happiness over what she was feeling in that moment. And she would push past it and choose to be happy for that day. 
Yeah, that's perfect. I think each day it's a choice, and we can choose to see the beauty around us, the sunset at night, you know, the sunrise, the sun, the rain, listen to the beautiful rain. Those beautiful things we can see, try to see the good and the beauty in the world each day and try to um, have that strength in us, help us overcome through whatever challenge we're going through each day. I think it's a choice, like you said. Okay. You know, it's something um... – for some reason, I don't know what, where this question came from, but I want to ask you this question about relationships. I think maybe because sometimes when people grow up with a lot of different challenges, like you experience being homeless, sometimes it affects a person's uh, view of being in a relationship. I'm not sure. Are you married and have children? or? Yeah, so I, I'm married. I'm married. I've been married for 27 years now. I have five daughters. Um, oh, wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Five children. That's great. So, now, did you have difficulty in relationships because of what you dealt with growing up? How did that spill over into your relationships with uh, young ladies, or did you have struggle? Uh, did you struggle with relationships? Yes, absolutely, I struggled. Um, when you go through something like that or some traumatic experience, we tend to try to lock it away, those emotions away, and lock them away and put them away and never deal with them, and. Sometimes it becomes very difficult for us to be vulnerable, to feel those emotions, to feel emotions. And so for me, it was actually a big challenge. It took me probably 20 years before I learned that it's okay to be vulnerable, to share these things, to be able to feel those emotions, and to be able to fully share who I was, you know, all the difficulties I went through with my wife. It took me a long time. And the idea of being able to be vulnerable and open ourselves up, and it's okay to be vulnerable. Sometimes we'll be hurt, but that... Uh, vulnerability allows us to actually develop those deep connections with people to truly feel emotion, to truly feel love. It's very difficult to allow ourselves to be loved if we're not willing to allow ourselves to be vulnerable too. Um, You know, that's part of the um, give and take. You have to be able to be vulnerable in order to be fully loved. And it's a challenge and it's a little bit scary sometimes to be vulnerable, to put your guard down. Um, but it's worth it. Once you find that person in your life or those people that you trust who are going to love you completely, it's great to be able to be able to share who you truly are and those feelings and your struggles with those people. One thing we try to do with my daughters every day is say, okay, what are three things and how do they make you feel today, whether they're good or bad, whether they're struggles, you know, to kind of just get that idea of, you know, some days we're good, some days we're struggles, but it's okay and we need to share that with people we love help us overcome them, help us work through those issues. Okay. And, and let me ask you, I really appreciate you answering that question. There was a lot of insight in that answer, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Do you have another question? I, I do. I wanted to um, kind of switch gears a little bit and go back to the book. I noticed earlier you mentioned that you were planning on donating a portion of sales to different charities uh, from your book. Which charities will you be donating some of the uh, sales from the book? Well, I actually made a uh, – I created a scholarship in my old high school that I'm going to donate some of the money towards. I named it in memory of my old wrestling coach. Very instrumental inspired me to kind of to continue on. And also, on top of that, I actually planned to create a new uh, a new uh, charity, which actually has our own, uh, your own scholarship fund that we are able to try to fund um, people are supposed to make in the process of creating that charity right now, you know, a 501c3 to, um, you know, do the, to do that, to create a new charity with it. Wonderful. 
And let me ask you, I'm not sure if I read this in your bio or if I was on Amazon and I read it, but now when, once you got to medical school, did you receive a scholarship for medical school or was that um, tuition that you paid yourself, worked and paid for that, or did you receive a scholarship? I'm trying to recall which way that yeah, was. For medical, yeah, for medical school, I did not get a scholarship. There aren't that many scholarships in medical school. I actually took out student loans and worked what I could to try to, you know, to pay for it. Student loans is probably oh. the biggest reason, biggest way. Okay, all right. And let me ask you a uh, last question because we're pretty much out of time. We're about under one minute just to give you an idea. So now I do want to give you an opportunity to give out your information, those that's looking for the book. I know it's on Amazon.com. What are some of the other ways that different individuals can reach out to you? You did say that you do public speaking. Uh, what's some of the other places that you spoke at, and how can individuals book you if they want to have you to come to their organization and be one of their guests and do some uh, public speaking for them? Okay, perfect. Thank you. I've spoken to several organizations, youth organizations, uh, some other conferences. If somebody wants to get a hold of me, there are a couple ways. Uh, my website's homelesstohopkins.com pretty easily. They can also email me at homelesstohopkins at gmail.com. Yeah, that's just my email. I made an email just for that. And um, as far as accessing my book, the book is also available in Audible format and also Barnes & Noble and also uh, Kindle-type format as well. I know for people overseas. Um, but that's the best way is probably just to email me, homelesstohopkins at gmail.com. And then, of course, I can give people my cell phone number when they, you know, want to make contact, but I don't necessarily give my cell phone number out over the radio, but, um, right. <laughs> you know. Yes, I understand. Well, I do want to say thank you for coming on the show. I do really appreciate your time here on the show. Once again, I want to let everyone know you can reach him by email, and that was homeless to Hopkins at gmail.com. And also, if you're just tuning in, you can catch the entire interview, uh, different outlets. You can get it on iHeartRadio. You can listen on Spotify. You can listen on Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon, Audible, Player FM. So whatever your favorite choice of platform, you can listen to the entire interview on social media and some of the other uh, platforms such as iHeartRadio. And so, Dr. Crystal Smith, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're pretty much out of time. Thank you so much for being here with me on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a genuine pleasure to speak with you. You're more than welcome. You're such an inspiration. I find you to be very encouraging. Uh, even at this point in my life, I think that your story is amazing, phenomenal. I, I don't know if you've ever did any TV interviews or if you've been invited to uh, that's what I think is, is next up. I don't know if you, you've done that, but I think you would be a great guest on someone's show and really uh, going to a larger audience and having even more exposure because you are such an inspiration and people can hear your story and really grab a hold and want to just keep on going forward because such your, your story is so amazing and just so phenomenal. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're more than welcome. Well, thank you all for listening in on today. It has been a blast on today with Dr. Christopher Smith. And once again, if you want to hear the complete interview, please do go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Amazon. You can take a listen to the complete interview. Thank you so much for tuning in. The words of Don Knees, the man that made so train what it was in the winter city. It is peace, love, and you are-